welcome to the deviant mind this is your host dominica and i'm chris and we are going to talk uh about one of the cases we were talking about that we were going to do uh from last week and that is the case of nancy brophy which i think we're going to call this case uh for chris came up with a great idea of calling it murder she wrote so this is yes murder she wrote part one which is the case of nancy brophy um but as we were texting back and forth, you mentioned that there were some, um, what are they called, updates on some of the cases that we've talked about? Oh, in the past or like right now? Well, right now, you said that there was... Um, what oh, was well, so in the Idaho case, is this what you're talking about? Like the most recent cases that are floating around or like with Nancy and Utah? Oh, you know what? I just realized that we haven't actually done the Chris Watts case, so never mind. Oh, yeah, no. that Well, that's another interesting thing that came up was Chris Watts' mistress. I know, we haven't gone into that. No, we haven't. Those out there who remember, uh, the mistress is now, they're saying there's more information coming out about her involvement in the killing of Chris Watts' family. Uh, Apparently... John Ramsey has said that they recently found DNA in his daughter's uh, uh, murder case. So I don't know exactly what's going on with that. The Idaho case, uh, I believe he pleaded not guilty. Uh, So I believe the case is going to trial in maybe, excuse me, June. Mm -hmm. I don't know when in June. Okay. Uh, Okay. Yeah. So those are some of the big things going on. And then the doomsday mom uh got life in prison uh right yes yeah, so. we'll definitely probably cover her in the upcoming weeks because that's a totally totally kooky case yeah um but this week we are doing nancy crampton brophy and um spoiler alert she did it but <laughs> let's start at the beginning So on the morning of June 2nd, 2018, Chef Daniel Brophy went to work at the Oregon Culinary Institute, and it was a Saturday, and he disarmed the alarm at 7.21 a.m. His co-worker came into the building at 7.30 a.m., but didn't discover his body until 8 a.m. when she let students enter the building for the classes. His body was found in the rare kitchen by students. He'd been shot two times once in the back and once in the chest and both pierced him through the heart. So of course the police were called and they searched the school and they found no signs of force or struggle and they saw no signs of motive. And that included robbery, assault or other crime. Daniel still had his wallet on him. There was nothing missing from the wallet as they could tell. Uh, his cell phone was still there, his eyeglasses and car keys. And, and that that morning apparently was uh, supposed to be a live fire for all the students, which means they set up pop-up restaurants. Mm-hmm. And uh, in preparation, he wanted to get there early. So he got there especially early. He had been a chef for 10, maybe 12 years. And apparently the students loved him. Uh, he was always there early to prepare. He was very approachable. And then eventually the community would uh, grow to love him and his wife. But really, he was at the center. He, he was doing more for the community at this time. 
So yes, definitely. And that's um he had actually been in the full food industry for over 50 years. Yeah. Uh, he had been the lead chef instructor at the Oregon Culinary Institute since 2006. Right. Um, he had also worked at the Cordon Bleu Institute in Portland, which is actually where he met Nancy Brophy. Uh, he was an expert in marine biology. He was a master gardener and a mushroom expert. And yeah. he loved going on mushroom hunting uh, expeditions, field trips, I guess you would call um with his students. Uh, he loved leading those field trips and he actually tried his hand at keeping bees. And he had a pretty extensive vegetable garden in the back of his home. And he lived in Beaverton, Oregon with his wife, Nancy, who mm-hmm. was an author. So her, her website. So we're going to go into this because I actually went through the, her website is down now, but I went through the way back machine and found some very interesting things. But on her website, she wrote, uh, this is a quote, I can't tell you when I fell in love with my husband, but I relate the moment I decided to marry him. I was in the bath. It was a big tub. I expected him to join me. And when he was delayed, I called out, are you coming? His answer convinced me he was Mr. Right. Yes, but I'm making hors d'oeuvres. Can you imagine spending the rest of your life without a man like that? And oh my God. And then, you know, what's interesting was that under her blog post uh, from 2011, how to murder your husband? Cause she yeah. actually, okay. That was, I guess before. Well, actually that wasn't even a blog post. It was uh, for a, so she was a self-published romance author right. and she had actually written articles for other people's blogs. So that article, that's right was actually right. posted in, I believe, C. Jane Wright um, from then, which we're going to go into how fascinating this case is on how the prosecution and the police actually kind of caught her. Um, so as a, as, a, on a, as a personal note, on a side note, you yourself, uh, Dominica, are uh, a writer, right? And I and write so, crime novels. And right. we talked extensively on my history (laughs) yeah our search histories are crazy yeah so that is definitely was eye-opening to see what i mean obviously i'm not going to do anything like that um but it is crazy how uh that can bite you and actually she tried to hide her um her search history because we will get to that but um, Uh, so i just wanted to know do you feel like Cases like this and uh, the mother in Utah, do they give, uh, you know, writers such as yourself like a bad name? Is there always like, like you know, like, do you think there's a stigma now created by no, not like at, this? You know, it's interesting because um, that you should mention it a stigma because a lot I self-publish very proudly. Mm-hmm. And um, these other women that we're going to talk about did self-publish as well. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I found very interesting is that one of the issues that a lot of self-publishers have is that we're not, quote unquote, real writers as far as the general population is concerned, um, because there's right. that moniker of like self-published. So you didn't go through the whole process of being vetted, even though most everybody that I know, I mean, we hire our own editors, like we're essentially publishing houses. So. Sure. 
we um, have a whole team of people working on these books. They're not just us, uh, you know. Right. In the room. So what I, as I was going and doing the research for this, it was interesting that every news article, which by the way, there's a Lifetime movie that was made of this with Sybil Shepard and Wait. Gutenberg, which is like, come on. Let's um, go. I mean, come on. But um, they, every article I wrote just called her a romance author. And yeah. just, there was no... There was stigma. a little suspense, right? Wasn't there like a yeah, tinge of suspense her, and stuff? Yeah, her her romance novels are of the um, romantic suspense variety. Right. So I think it's like the wrong husband, the wrong seal. She had this like whole series about... Um, which I find very interesting about finding the wrong person and then finding the right person. Mm -hmm. And um, she, but anyway, so going back to that, like everywhere I, I saw, they just called her an author, which for a number of years, that has been something that self-published authors have been fighting for being like, Hey, we're actually small business owners. We are publishing houses. We a ton of people to work on these books. Um, this isn't just like some crappy pamphlet that you put out onto Amazon. And the thing um, is, it's like in different industries, you know, one can self-produce uh, their own film and, and uh, self-distribute it on Amazon. You can do that. You can create your own music, self-distribute online. So yeah. we do live in this age where, you know, we're able to produce uh, original content and, and, and do it on our own. But it's interesting that there's like that, assumption of writers who self-publish I, I really wasn't aware of that well and, and it's gotten much much better um Good. when at the beginning like because I've been self-publishing since like 2012 like at the mm-hmm. beginning back in the early days people were like oh god what are you doing um but there is so much freedom to be able to find your own readers and you know really focus on the work and not have to focus trying to get through this um gauntlet of publishing houses which by the way is a complete racket they give you shit contracts and you make so very little money um and they don't actually even market you but that's a whole other conversation um so going back to her so she um so anyway so it was interesting how how nobody like said that about her in a derogatory manner it just shows how far that industry has come because she's just a romance author who wrote mm-hmm. these books and of course ended up killing her husband. But um going back to her husband, um when he was killed, he as a Chris mentioned, he was a very very popular teacher and there were some quotes that were left on the school's Facebook page from his students and mm-hmm. I have some of them just to kind of show the kind of guy he was. There was one quote, he was both the biggest pain and the biggest inspiration I had there. And <laughs> quote, one student wrote Quote, sometimes we really resented him for his snark and bluntness, but he was also one of the smartest, most thoughtful people I've ever met and would take the time to help with whatever you needed. And so, again, he was just really, really loved, um, except for by his wife, which um, he was doing some shady stuff. So um, during the time that he was in uh, in the school, she and this was a uh, surveillance video that was later watched by the police showed her driving her Toyota minivan at 708 
by the front of the OCI building, which is the Oregon Culinary Institute. And then she was seen leaving the area in that same car at 7.28 a.m. Now, because she thought she was smarter than everybody else, she arrived back at the Oregon Culinary Institute driving that same Toyota minivan that was seen on surveillance very quickly after the detectives arrived at the scene. She had said, by the way, that she was home. Oh, so yeah. she she initially denied dr- that drive by the initial her initial drive by. Yes, but you know, video still yeah. hasn't come yet because it was 2018. That yeah. video still is um, is good. It's not a deep fake. Yeah, uh, but she never actually, even through her entire trial, she never made an explanation. She didn't try to, um, she didn't try to deny it or explain it. And in her trial, she actually had a psychologist say that she just couldn't remember because she was traumatized. So, um, you're right. So she, Uh, uh, so, so the officers, when she arrived at the scene said like, where, well, okay, what are you doing here? Where have you been? And she said that she'd been home that morning and she hadn't left her house until she was called about an incident at OCI. Now I couldn't figure out who called her, whether it was the police or if it was one of the students, because she had right. been married to this man for 26 years. Absolutely. So I would assume people are like, oh, got to call the wife if you find Daniel dead. And she gave the police a timeline of when Daniel left the house. But again, yeah. she really tried to stick to her story that uh, she had stayed home. Now, she her. was acting weird as well, uh, from what I understand, at the time that she was talking to investigators at the scene. Do tell uh, how weird. Uh, just like her manner is, there was no real grief. It was as though she knew something was wrong, but once she's finding out what's going on, it it, it doesn't affect her as you would expect one would, especially for a couple that had been married for so long. By all accounts, also from the neighbors and family, they had a beautiful relationship. Like they adored one another. He really took good care of her. And to give a little more backstory, she had been married to a cop initially. That was her first marriage. Uh, And then they moved to Portland where she met uh, Dan uh, at a different culinary school in the early 90s. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was married at the time with the son. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then the two of them just fell from one another and uh, eventually got married. Oh, that's interesting. Um, yeah, it was, you know, um, when I found her website through the Wayback Machine, the yeah. way that she wrote about herself was really, really odd. And now, of course, you know, whenever you're reading people's bios, you're like, okay, you know, it always seems kind of awkward. Right. Um, And literally her first line is writers are liars. And she's like, I don't remember who said that, but it's not true. And um, she goes on to talk about how she digs deep and unearths portion of her life. And uh, sometimes it's better to change the ending, which again, it's there's always like this negativity to her, this bio, which again is writing about her life. And yeah, the the thing that kind of really struck me is how before that quote that I read out that the way that she wrote, she said that, you know, and this is directly quoting from her about page is that um 
her imaginary friends that she writes about, they they live larger than life, that larger than life lives. And um, they always have happy endings because again, she's writing romance, but her personal life is never as clearly defined. And she said, you know, her beginnings are hard to locate. Um, There's weird middles. And she's like, you know, it's always kind of a link in the chain. And she says that she's married to a chef. Um, and that she lives with chickens and turkeys in her backyard, fabulous vegetable garden. But then she says, for those of you who have longed for this, let me caution you. The old adage is true. Be careful what you wish for. When the gods are truly angry, they grant us our wishes. And the payment is always high. Oh. And I'm like, um. Wow. Okay, well, you don't sound like a very happy woman right there. And again, we're kind of going into what her own words means. But like, you know, again, I have a bio. I don't really talk about my relationship with my husband in such a way, um, obviously at all. But most authors don't go so deep into, I don't know, it just shows that there was issues. And this was from... Um, it looks like it was from 2000 and it was on her website in 2018, which was the year that she actually killed her husband. And she's like, you know, like all marriages, we've had our ups and downs, more good times Mm -hmm. than bad. And Mm -hmm. they were, I guess, living in an apartment because their house was being rebuilt from a house fire. And that's, again, it's just, this doesn't sound like a very happy woman. No, she's not. And uh, I think a lot of that may stem from what his son said uh, in his impact statement at her hearing, uh, that she was very shallow in a shell. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the and my research found that the one job she had was she was uh, working for um, uh, a pension company. Uh, and then decided to get into writing. Uh, it, he, he claimed that she was very shallow and felt in the shadow of his father. You know, obviously, you right. know, he's in the community. He's doing all these things. And she's just like trying to focus on writing, trying to make a name for herself, something. Um, and folks who have read her books actually say they're boring, that they're mm. just kind of very formulaic and, uh, so again, as his son mentions in court, like, I think that may have something to do with a lot of this. Like, he's the breadwinner. Like, she just wants to contribute in some way, but she doesn't know how. Right, right, exactly. So going back to the day that the body is found, um, you said that she was acting weird. She also said that, of course, again, something out of a book, her husband mm-hmm. had no enemies and she had no idea who would want to kill them, kill him. Right. Uh, they all the police also asked if Daniel ever brought a gun to work to protect himself. And Nancy said that uh, she had recently purchased a Glock nine millimeter handgun, but they hadn't used it yet. And he did not bring it to work. So uh, she, of course, gave this Glock to the police and Leland Samuelson at the Oregon State Crime Lab. Um, he analyzed the bullets that came from Daniel's body. And he said that they were most likely shot from a Glock nine millimeter. However, uh, when he tested the gun, 
they uh, it was determined it was not the firearm that shot and killed Daniel because the grooves on the um, on the bullets were different. So uh, for those people who don't write about crime or know about guns, uh, typically when a um, a bullet comes out of the barrel of a gun, it creates striations in the bullet that you can match to see. And it's always very specific because not every gun has the same kind of straight. It doesn't create the same striations in, uh, it's like a fingerprint essentially. And so um, they were like, okay, well, this Glock that she gave them, it, mm -hmm. it wasn't the gun that was used to um, to kill her husband. Right. Yes. Oh, another interesting thing is, okay, in terms of her acting weird, mm -hmm. uh, when she's told that uh, her husband's been shot, she says by an AR-15. <laughs> and then uh, they're like, why, why would you assume that? And her response is, oh, because of all these school shootings. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, I guess that would be like a good sort of Get off my uh, trail. cover. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. right. Like, oh, it must. Yeah. Was it an AR-15? But I just find that your husband's been shot. Like, oh, my God, there's right. none of that. None of that. There's a sad look on her face, but she's kind of like, oh, was it an AR-15? Like, tell me, what kind of firearm killed my husband? Right. <laughs> like, exactly. Like, what? Like, what is this? Yeah. Um, but this Glock is interesting. Yeah, which actually ends up, the it, the Glock is the, the linchpin in the case that gets her, um, uh, that gets her uh, prosecuted. So on June 5th, 2018, she, Nancy, calls the lead detective, whose name is Darren Posey, and asks for a letter uh, from him saying that she was not a suspect for her husband's murder because she needed to provide it to her life insurance company. She said um, when the police asked, it's like, oh, it's interesting. You have life insurance on him. Well, how much is it? She says, oh, it's only 40K. So... The, de the detectives are like, okay, well, yes. um, a husband is dead. He has no enemies. He's well-beloved in the community. Guess what? We're looking at you because you're the wife. And at this point, we've seen the footage of you driving you you by. <laughs> you, said, you said 40K, right? Well, this is the key thing. It's interesting because this was... Um, so I, wrote, I read a lot of this from the, uh, from the arresting affidavit. Okay. So this was initially... Was no, this, yeah. initially what she said was 40. Right. And the detectives refused to give her the letter. And right. then they started calling insurance carriers being like, hey, who has an insurance or insurance policy on this right. guy? And so they discovered in the affidavit that it was yeah. uh, the amount of insurance policies was in the amount of 350K. Now, with, they had two other policies. But that only came out in trial. So like in it, the it trial it, documents, right. you right. find out that actually the full total was 1.5 um, and not the 350. So, but she was um, arrested on the lying about the 40K to the 350. Right. Um, and then- and also this is three days later, she's having this conversation with the lead investigator about the insurance policy. Three days after her husband's death. Yeah. You know, yeah. let's find out who did this. How can this be? But no, let's I got to find out uh, what's the old insurance policy. Right, exactly. And this was around the time that Daniel's son 
was actually helping her and trying to be there for her because he's like, okay, you know, like, you know, your husband has been murdered and that's a very violent act, which I know that he talked about in papers later, you know, there was, he was very angry about the fact that he had come to be her support in this trying time. And she was just trying to figure out how to get the money. So, um, the you know police radar was like okay this is something's going on here so they went through daniel's phone and they found that the couple had a joint itunes account and through the joint itunes account they were able to see the search history and i'm not quite sure how um of and this is the initial kind of deep dive they go into the search history they found that someone had searched for quote 10 ways to cover up a murder And so she was arrested on September 5th, 2018. And as she was being arrested, she said, quote, you're arresting me? End quote. Then added, quote, you must think I murdered my husband. End quote. (laughs) So, I mean, it's either that or that I, uh, uh, you know. Right. Killed one Uh, of the Murdochs. Right, exactly. So, um, So, but what was really fascinating about this is what, the police and then the investigators and the prosecution held as the main theory of the case, because as we said about before that the murder weapon didn't match the ballistics of the bullets that were found in Daniel's body. However, she had been searching for a ghost gun, which is an unregistered and untraceable firearm and um, what they had, so their theory was that uh, Nancy had swapped out the slide and barrel of her Glock yeah. 17 with a different set to murder her husband and then reinstalled the originals. So yeah. then, therefore, the ballistics wouldn't match. And um, when they saw a photo of the Glock that she gave them, they noticed that the slide and barrel weren't properly seated, which is how they really started with their suspicions. And so um, they went looking into her computers. Now they had uh, done a full on search for, and they, uh, because they didn't have any other digital evidence, like there was no, um, uh, no weird phone calls. There were no weird text messages but they were like, okay, well, we found through her iTunes that somebody had, you know, typed in how, you know, how to cover up a murder. Mm-hmm. And so they were like, okay, we need to find out when she purchased um, this Glock and from who, whether she did purchase a ghost gun. And they had these three computers that they had found. One was uh, found in a closet. Another one was on her bed. And then the final computer was recovered from a storage unit. So they decided to turn to a digital investigation platform um, developed by Magnet Forensics. And they started analyzing all this digital evidence that were on these computers. And so this is actually one of those interesting cases that has been in um, kind of the police world of being like, wow, this was really interesting that they built their case entirely around internet evidence. And it was yeah. all search history. And yeah. um, 
just as that case about uh i'm blanking on her name but the uh the girl from plainville uh mm-hmm. who suggested that her boyfriend go ahead and kill himself you know he gets out of the car and she says could you just get back in uh i believe that was the first case that relied heavily on text messages so we are definitely living in this world now, right? Where it's like, wow, here, now here goes a treasure trove of all of her information, which she claims was just part of her research. Like she right. wasn't even done. Oh, hey, right. I'm writing this book, you know? I, this is just research. Right, exactly. Which, I mean, again, um, except for she has a dead husband. So there is that. Yeah. Um, so they didn't find anything on the computers on her in the storage unit or on her bed but the one in the closet was a whole different thing so they followed breadcrumbs and they she had been searching for a ghost gun kit yeah from uh november 2017 so this is definitely premeditated and there was a ton of search results from november 2017 to march 2018 Mm -hmm. and uh it's you know not it's totally strange to be looking up Glock 17 purchases, but then she was also looking on how to break the gun down to a barrel and slide. And then yeah. she was researching ghost guns and trying to uh, figure out when they were sold. Um, she was also looking to whether Glocks had big kickbacks. She was yeah. searching for videos on ghost guns. And then she, in February, 2018, she started looking on where to buy a gun locally. So the searches right. included gun shops in Portland. When do you have to register a gun in Oregon? Shows. And, oh, the shows, which she did end up buying the gun that the police got from her home. Her husband apparently a, gave her the money. Her well, husband, yeah. right? Yeah. Said, here, take this money, go ahead. Exactly. You should get one. So she so she bought that that gun at a local gun show. Um, but then she started visiting eBay uh, yeah. for Glock slides and barrels, and she actually won an auction for those items. And um, then she started looking at videos about how to clean a Glock, how to load a Glock, and how to disassemble a Glock. And then, of course, three months later, Daniel Brophy is murdered. And um, they found the ghost gun kit and they found the Glock 17. But what they never found was the additional slide and barrel that she ordered on eBay. She, they found the kit. Yeah, they found the kit, but they never yeah. actually found yeah. the slide and barrel because yeah. it's probably underwater somewhere. I was just going to say, I'm surprised she didn't use the eBay defense. In other words, hey, if this is premeditated and I wanted to do it immediately, I would have bought it now. But instead, I did an auction. (laughs) Right. Right. Exactly. But this whole gun parts, which later she would go on to say, again, part of research, her character in her book, it's about how the character disposes his gun and then is able to use it again. So. Right. And so the um, the motive that the prosecutors gave at trial was that the uh, the Brophys were struggling financially. Um, the yeah. fall before Daniel Brophy was killed, they had taken out thirty five thousand dollars from his re- retirement account, which was about half its total to catch up with mortgage and credit card payments. And um, she, in her defense, was like, well, I would have done much better with my husband alive. 
and because we were cashing in the retirement plans and they intended to downsize their property. Um, and her defense was speculating that Daniel's murder could have been a robbery gone wrong, except mm. for, again, there was nothing robbed. Um, yeah. And then we come to the How to Murder Your Husband. And yeah. oh, it was the website called See Jane Publish. Now, in her trial, the judge excluded the essay from trial, but the prosecutor did quote its themes without mentioning it by name. And then my big part was, what's 10 ways to cover up a murder? That was originally um, the first kind of trail they got from okay. the iTunes account to be like, hey, wait a minute. Got we got to look at the wife again. Yeah. But this um, was also something that they had found that she had written. And as you said, it was written a, a while back. It was 2011. Um, was it excluded because of under First Amendment? I'm not sure it didn't. I couldn't find why. And I didn't I didn't watch the trial. Did you watch the trial? I, I watched her uh, a lot of her testimony. OK. And boy, wow. I mean, she's a storyteller. You know, you watch her and she you could see her brain working. You know, she's very uncomfortable. There are certain questions asked by the prosecution, which she'll say, you know, like uh, she'll ask a question. Like the prosecutor will ask her a question and she'll answer by asking him a question, you know, and um, really just gives way too much information. You know, it's the type of thing where it was, uh, I think one of the questions that she was just basically horrible uh, on the stand. Uh, she couldn't answer why she was near the scene at the time, mm -hmm. you know, the video of the car. And instead of just coming up with something, she leads off by saying like, oh, oh I went to a Starbucks. But she keeps going. I went to a Starbucks. I think it was Thursday. It was pretty crowded. Uh, so I was able, but I stood online, you know, I got my coffee. And then from the coffee, I was able to get back. You just answer the question. But because she's in this frame of mind, I'm a writer. I can develop stories. People can believe me. Again, this is just another opportunity, I feel, when she's on the stand to, to, to be a writer and prove that she is intelligent. You know, I think she was trying to get away with what she deemed the perfect crime. So that's that's the part I, I really focused on and I saw was her, uh, you know, her uh, sentencing and her testimony. Her test is just horrible. She incriminates herself. Right, 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 right. No. And um, she also, I guess um, I didn't realize this, but she spent fifteen thousand dollars for the gun and the gun parts and the ghost gun. Wow. Um which is kind of insane if they're taking $35,000 out of their retirement account to just yeah. pay for their mortgage. So I'm like, where'd she get that whole money from? I mean, you said that she had given her that money, but it's like $15,000. But um, uh, Well, the thing is, he, he said that he gave her like $400. Mm -hmm. And that when her credit card was last used, she took out 400 or something like this. Something about how like he always had cash. And she basically spent 400, which came back to bite her in the butt because they said, well, what happened to the other 400? And then to which she says, well, you know, I had to get a, um, an oil thing to clean it. I got a book on how to properly use a Glock. Mm -hmm. That's like $30. So like what happened to all that other money? It's just like that. So that's kind of weird. But uh, 
from what I understand, again, there were two other life insurance uh, policies he had, which t- ultimately totaled a lot of money, right? Yeah, which was one point five million dollars. And of course, right. okay. if all yeah, and if all he has in his retirement account is thirty five thousand dollars, that's not retirement money. I mean, she was seventy two, yeah. he was sixty three, but that's not there's no that's not money for retirement at all. So right. I'm I mean, it sounded like, yeah. million check. She's thinking she's going to like go riding off into the sunset. Um, She claimed it was never about the money. Right. Which I mean, then what was it about then? (laughs) Like, come on. Um, And then she, uh, her, the defense had a psychologist um, and they claimed that she suffered retrograde amnesia from the trauma of finding Mm -hmm. out about her husband being murdered, which is why she couldn't exactly tell people uh, what she was doing driving by his workplace at the exact time that he was killed. And now she drove by at 7.08, but then they didn't see her car or her driving until 7.28. So she had that 15 minutes to go yeah. in. He probably let her in and she killed him. Yeah. Because she also understands, she, she says that uh, when she's grilled about the gun and like, are you, hey, how are you with the gun? You know, like your husband had a gun, like did, what would you do with the gun? And she said, you know, monkey around with it, but like, I didn't know how to do the slide thing. It was just so difficult. And, uh, you know, there are gun owners who say it's actually pretty easy to just take the slide out in the barrel. Uh, so she lies about that. And then she's asked, uh, so do you go to shooting ranges? You know, did you, how did you practice using the gun? And uh, she, you know, I went out in the backyard mostly and, you know, would just shoot around and they have a ping from her cell phone uh, near a near a shooting range uh, to which she claims that there is a lot of property for them to buy. And they were considering buying some property, either flipping it or moving. And so that's why she was in the vicinity. So Mm -hmm. it's just for everything that they brought up. She just had like a quick response. And obviously, again, being a storyteller, I feel like she just had created all this story. It's a lot of it just sounded so rehearsed, you know? Yeah. Well, and that's what the jury thought. It was rehearsed and not yeah. true because they um she was found guilty for second degree murder on May 2022. She had a seven-week trial and she was sentenced to life in prison. And I think the next possibility chance of parole was in 25 years, which most likely she will not be around. And uh, she is serving her sentence at the Coffee Creek Correctional Facility in Wilsonville, Oregon. And it was actually 1.4 million. And that she was going to own their $300,000 home, which again, it's like, yeah, I don't know. Divorce? Like, I never quite understand why people kill their spouses. Like, it's just something that I just don't understand. She, uh, Especially when it comes to the money. Like, why don't you just, just divorce them? Like, what's the problem here? Right. Um, it's also interesting to note that there apparently might have been a jail confession. I think oh. maybe, I don't, in, in perhaps in holding her, but apparently an inmate testified that mm-hmm. she uh, you know, that she admitted to her that, that she did kill her husband. Uh, I, again, I don't know if that's after her sentencing, but I'm pretty sure if she testified that it happened before, uh, but you know, informants, you take yeah. it or leave. Yeah, exactly. Those are a little tricky. It's a lesser charge, but recently 
watched a bunch of interviews and uh, did some research on Diane Downs, who I was never really familiar with. Uh, she was uh, a killer of her children, actually mm -hmm. two survived. Uh, she shot them point mm -hmm. blank. Uh, one passed away and two survived. Uh, one's paralyzed. But at the time, uh, she was diagnosed uh, psychotic. And in the rankings, she's between uh, the Night Stalker, Richard Ramirez, and Ted Bundy. Wow. So it's really interesting because you, uh, off the bat, you rarely see female uh, psychopaths, mm -hmm. right? Uh, but there's she, her behavior comes very close. So I now I don't I don't think that uh, Nancy here is a um, a psychopath. I think maybe if anything, uh, she got wrapped up in her writing. Maybe you know was the writing uh, a red herring for the past twelve years? Had is this something that she had been thinking about over well, time? What do you think? I mean, I personally just reading from her bio, she just sounded like she was not happy in her marriage, uh, right? And uh she thought she just doesn't seem like a psychopath to me no it just seems like a woman and again i don't i don't understand this thinking being like oh there's a lot of money on the table nobody's gonna find me out because the insurance companies aren't like evil and never want to pay things out so she's like oh right. 1.5 million dollars yeah i'll be able to get that if my husband dies mysteriously and then i have retirement and then i don't have to worry about it mm -hmm. so but that to me seems so weird because as we know here in the United States, insurance companies will do anything in their power not to pay out. And um, yeah. like, I, I don't know. And that's typically you're always the first suspect when your spouse dies. And that includes both men and women. And uh, I mean, I guess maybe she thought she was too smart. Like it's like, oh, I'm a crime writer. I know how to do all of this. This shouldn't be right. difficult. I can pull this off for that $1.5 million. And I'm like, really, you're going to go like life in prison because you're most likely going to get caught for like a measly $1.5 million. Like, I never yeah. understand the money amounts equal to a human's life either. I'm like, how did you think this was a good idea? Like that just, it's, like, it's, it's a power so weird. Power and greed. It's very weird. And uh, it's to my understanding, they yet to find the ghost gun. Is this yeah, true? They, uh, they've, They've never been able to find the slide or the barrel. And I don't think they will. I mean, she probably tossed them somewhere, or buried them right. in the garden, like who knows, but they were never able to find it. Also, uh, during her testimony, it's interesting that uh, she keeps looking over her defense team. It's like, she'll say something and look over, you know, for like approval, like, Ooh, did I say the wrong thing? Like she can't tell what's going on. You know? so weird. I mean, I'm. Are you gonna watch the uh, Sybil Shepherd? Yeah, that I, I know about uh, it. Of Gutenberg course. Film? I'll I was tell like, you. Oh watch my that. god, this is crazy. Uh, and now she gets a movie made about her because it's kind of insane. Um, and yeah. again, I, I do think there must have been. I mean, I guess some narcissism going on around there, being like, "I'm so smart. I'm never so gonna smart. get caught." Yeah. Um, and then and just like in the other case, I was, uh, you know, in uh, Murder She Wrote Part Two. Yes, you'll see, you'll see that's also regarding uh, life insurance policies. Yeah, yeah. You know, it always seems it's it, that seems to be 
that I again like. Do you think that? So do you think this was a long time? Twenty six years is a long time, right? Twenty six years is a long time to be living with somebody, and the fact that nobody of the neighbors or the son um, thought it was a bad relationship. Like they all said, it was such a great relationship. So right. that is also yeah. crazy. So I, I I don't know. I mean, do you just... think it was a long time coming? And, and uh, she. I mean, I mean, because her writing years? is dark. Her writing is dark, right? She writes mostly romance, but then she'll write the dark stuff online. But right, that was only her. like, I mean, but that was only for eight years. Like, what was she doing for the other 19 years? Like, that's what I'm saying. So, like, it just, it's weird. Right. It is weird, but it, it is her fallback. So I'm wondering if like, she, this is, is like something that she had always wanted to do, but like, how can I get away with it? This is how you get away with it. Like, hey, yeah. I just wrote about it. Doesn't mean I did it, you know. Right, right. And I, but I, I don't just, know. That's elaborate. That's really elaborate. And that is very elaborate. And I just keep thinking, it's like, come on, ladies, you can make your own money. Like, go do it. Go make some money. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, believe in yourself. Like, I just, it's hard for me to, yeah, it's hard for me to wrap around when you you have supposedly a good marriage with a decent man who, by the way, was like 10 years, 10 years younger than her too. Yes. Um, so I'm like, uh, and he was very supportive of her writing from what I understand, you know, she wasn't making that much money yeah. from it, but he was still very supportive. Uh, and um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think that probably bothered her too. Like this whole, you know, like, Hey, don't make your own money lady. Like, you know, you could do it too, you know? But then I think when, you know, your hopes get shattered. You're not maybe as well known as you'd like to be. Maybe not that many. And then like, there is never, I mean, I, again, maybe I in her know. mind, but there is like never a reason to take another person's life. Absolutely. Period. Like, absolutely. So, I'm just trying to figure out a motive. I'm just trying to figure out how she goes. Well, from that. I mean, again, so she's married to a cop, you know? So there's that, like she's married to a cop and, and then she meets Dan. Right. And mm -hmm. then, Dan's also married, but then they like there's some sort of attraction, obviously, that they have towards one another. But then you just go back and it's like, what did she learn anything from the cop? Like, it's interesting she married a cop, you know, like that's that's kind of an odd thing. And then uh, maybe there's like a bit of resentment, you know, like I feel like this. I feel the motive is ultimately resentment. You know, resentment. Like, well, that and also like, did this woman have any friends like through all of the articles that I read, there was never any friend like, yeah, come in to say like, no, she didn't do it. Or yeah, I've known her for a long time. It was just neighbors. So I mean, I guess maybe the isolation of like, I don't know. I mean, she it's it, it, it's a weird one, because she doesn't well but then reading her bio there's like definitely dark undercurrents of unhappiness and not being happy with the way her life turned out and regrets and but that's still i mean mm -hmm. how how does that go to like killing the man that you supposedly love and has been so good to you for the last 26 years like that's yes like, what what is what is happening there That's just his family crazy. was very uh accepting of her at the time i mean look both yeah. listen to that situation both of them are married you know they're having an affair and then it blossoms they get married oh and so they actually had an affair that broke up their marriages i believe it was like this attract yeah they just fell for one another and they were like see it to their respective oh, spouses interesting interesting and so so the son was just like okay you know you're you're my stepmom and uh his mom and his parents were very supportive they basically welcomed her and embraced her into the family 
so you know, is it is it the is it a thrill kill? Is it is it just jealousy? I just you know a deviant mind. What what would drive in me a deviant mind? Especially yeah, there's this whole thing, and we'll see again in the next case. You just why can't you get a divorce? You could just get a divorce and move on. It's just yeah. like, and and with the next case, she had kids. She'd get alimony. She'd get child support. Like what? Absolutely. What is the? I mean, that case is just nuts too. But anyway, yeah. we will talk about that next week. So, oh. <laughs> so that was the case of Nancy Brophy in Murder She Wrote Part One. Uh, Murder She Wrote Part Two will be next week. Yes. Quick question: Are her? Do you know if her books are still available? Because next week's subject her book was pulled like after oh, a month. Her, let me see i'm looking these books are still available let's see you can't find a copy of uh if if you were here or if you were here anymore the children's brief book. um she has yeah her books are still up wow wow yeah, yeah. so at <laughs> least one of them the wrong husband the wrong, wrong never felt so right book four there you go. The wrong husband. Yeah. So there you have it. Um, so, <laughs> so that was uh, so that was an interesting case. Um, and good job nice to the, again the police. It didn't look like it sold well. It didn't have very many reviews. Um, right. But yeah. Uh, so yeah. So thanks. Uh, leave uh we're starting our social media finally i'm trying to get chris on to the instagram and instagram and facebook hate me but i'm going to try to figure it out um and so yeah if you like like us listen subscribe and uh leave us a review and we read all of them and till next time thank you was sponsored by The Creek Killer, book one in the Harriet Harper thriller series written by me, Dominica Best. What would you do if you read The Police Found Your Body in a Creek? Find out in The Creek Killer, available on Amazon. Thank you for joining me and listening to this episode. If you like my show, please give me a rating and review. It helps other listeners find this podcast. Follow Dominica Best Presents The Deviant Mind wherever you listen to your podcasts. Visit thebeststorytellingnetwork.com where you'll find show notes, my books, links to social media, and much more. Join my Patreon for special subscriber perks, like two extra exclusive episodes a month and a Q&A with me at patreon.com forward slash the deviant mind podcast. Until next time. <laughs>